Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 27. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I hope you're finding some value in these podcasts and helping you in your leadership quest, your leadership journey. I know it's been fun for me and educational for me talking to all, all these great guests that we have coming up on the show. we got even more spectacular guests in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Thanks for all your feedback and your support I've been receiving from you this week. I said I would highlight some of the uh, reviews and the comments that I have received on iTunes this week, and I'd like to point out one from Clark who says, So far, I've had the opportunity to listen to four of Richard's episodes, and all of them have been exceptional. Richard's handle on the topic of leadership is apparent in his work. His guests are truly insightful, and the give and take between them is enjoyable, easy to listen to, because there's great value in what's being shared. Keep up the great work. Clark, that means a lot to me. I appreciate those kind words. It's those type of comments that keeps me motivated, pumped up, and excited to bring you, hopefully, a quality podcast that you can all get something out of. So again, thank you for those comments, and if you haven't done so, Leave me some comments. Leave me some feedback. I really appreciate it. Go to iTunes, leave a review, and tell me what you think about the show. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com, and uh, they got a special offer just for you listeners out there. You can go to doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can download a free audiobook. Sign up for 30 days at no obligation to you. If you don't like what you see after 30 days, you can cancel. It doesn't cost you a dime, but you get your free audiobook. 100,000 of titles to choose from. It's a great way to get caught up on all your reading. Again, doseofleadership.com slash audible. Again, thanks for all the support. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast so these get delivered to you automatically. You're really going to enjoy this next interview. Uh, Jenny's doing a lot of great work for leadership, especially for women in leadership, and I really appreciate all that she's doing. Again, thanks for your support and enjoy the interview. Well, I'm so excited to have on the show today, Jenny Catrins. She serves as the executive director of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a 10-year-old multi-site church. She leads a staff of, at Cross Point and oversees the ministry of its five campuses. Prior to joining the staff at Cross Point, she worked as artist development director in the Christian music industry for over nine years. Her passion is to lead well and to inspire, equip, and encourage others to do the same. She speaks at multiple conferences and churches nationwide, and her goal is to see, help others develop their leadership gifts, and lead confidently in the different spheres of influence God has granted them. She's a blog blogger, and she's an author, and she just co-authored a book with Sherry Surratt. I think I said that name right. Anyway, the book is called Just Lead. I love the title, a no-whining, no-complaining, no-nonsense practical guide for women leaders in the church. Jenny, thanks for coming on the show. Are you ready to give us a dose of leadership today? I am, Richard. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you guys today. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you on, and, and it's this month I've been I think you're the third woman I've interviewed this month, and um, oh. I have a fourth one this afternoon, and I'm the father of four daughters, and that's why I'm passionate about. Uh, I'm always trying to talk to my daughters and get them ex- excited about leadership and that they're capable of uh, doing more than 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 they think they can. So sure. tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about leadership and women in leadership and particularly in the church? 
Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I talk about this in the book too that I wouldn't have known like the leadership word when I was a kid. You know, that wasn't something that you heard of. I actually grew up in a very small town in northern Wisconsin blue-collar community, and you heard a lot of negativity about bosses and, and things like that, but I had some great leaders in my life. You know, I can kind of look back and see, like, some different uh, bosses that I had when I was in um, uh, high school, you know, some of my summer jobs, and I had like, some great influencers in my family who just really poured into me, and so somewhere along the line, like, I just identified this I really gravitated to strong leaders. You know, I saw that people who had the ability to to kind of take control of a situation or lead through a crisis or, uh, you know, and then I often would get pulled into positions of leadership. So whether it was, you know, running the, the church Sunday school or a VBS program, uh, you know, I'd be doing that when I was like 12 or, you know, being the manager at the ice cream shop that I worked at at 16. And, you know, so it was kind of things that I kind of stumbled into. And I think I was in actually my first job in the music business in Nashville where I picked up a John Maxwell book and learned what leadership was by definition. Right. And there were some aha moments. You know, you kind of those light bulbs started going on for me that I was like, oh, that's what this is. That's why I'm always drawn to kind of, you know, take take the reins and help lead a discussion, or I see, you know, they call it the leadership vacuum, you see the gap in, in a team in team dynamics and you kind of step into that and start, you know, leading people through it. And so uh, that's when I started being able to put definition to it. And so I kind of went on, I'm, I'm pretty studious by nature, and so I started digging into everything I could leadership-wise and trying to understand, well, then how do I develop this? If this is something that I have natural talent, maybe a gift to do, how do I really develop this and use it um, well? Because it, I started recognizing, ah, as a leader, you have influence over others, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And so it, when we talk about, you know, just where my passion for leadership came from, I think it was that kind of awareness that as a leader, I have a tremendous responsibility to steward that that gift or that talent or that ability and, and make sure that I'm really giving my best to other people. And so... Uh, that was just kind of a natural course of my career is really developing that leadership, becoming a great leader to those that I that I led in both my corporate um, corporate season and then also a ministry. And then when I got into ministry, there was kind of just another layer of complexity for women leaders and you know and what's um, appropriate and what's allowed and so forth. And so then I really developed a heart to kind of encourage women leaders along the way and just kind of give them some tools and resources to develop them. So that was a really long-winded answer to your question. Uh, but, uh, well, but what I love about it, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, at such an early age, you didn't, you didn't know it was leadership, but you, it's almost like you're one of those people that will, it was, it was somehow was born into you. What is your yeah. belief about that? You know, every, there's always that kind of age old cliche argument, you know, our leaders made or born. I'm obviously a, yeah. a, a believe that they're made. Um, but when I was 12, I, that's the last thing I would have thought. I would have thought, gosh, you know, I didn't like being out in front. And then I didn't know I, I had a lot of limiting beliefs in myself. Um, right. And it's almost like, you know, ah, that's not me. I'm not going to be the guy that's out in front. Right. But then when I got in, yeah. the, in the Marine Corps and then I saw that leadership was more about just being the guy or gal in front, it was more about having um, a love and compassion for other human beings and taking care of the folks. Yeah. That I can yep. relate to. So tell me a little yep. bit about what do you, how do you feel about our leaders made or born? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's probably, I think it could be both. 
I don't think it's exclusively one or the other. However, I do think people are, can be born with some natural instincts to lead. Yeah. You know, I think that you, your natural wiring, your personality, and you see this, and I, I don't have kids of my own, but I love watching all my friends who have children, and you see their personality start to emerge, and, you know, you see the one that can naturally command the room and the right. one who stays in the corner, and, you know. So I think that there are some natural instincts for leadership, but I think those... Um, if, if and how those are developed dictates whether they truly become a leader. You know, um, in my context, you know, growing up, you know, without, it wasn't something that I think, I think my parents saw it and, again, didn't necessarily by definition know what they were doing, but they just started kind of helping nurture that a little bit. Yeah. You know, so I think there's an instinct for leadership that you can be born with, but if it's never fully developed, um, and, and I would say this, too, I think that, um and by my definition of leadership, I think there's a there's a um, like you said the the there's a kind of that relational component of that caring for people. You know, there are people who might be called leaders that just use that for for evil and not for good. Yeah. You know, and so that instinct can go to a really bad place if um, if you know if people if it's not nurtured properly. So. I think there's a natural born instinct, but then the the development of leaders, and I think that I think the development is where you actually become a leader. You know, and that's where I think leaders can be made. You know, that if you um, uh, like yourself, where you started to identify the potential for leadership and started stepping into that, and you, and myself, you know, I started studying and trying to learn the principles and the practices and the you know and what it looks like to be a great leader. Then that's where I think leaders can be made. I think. Um, we all have a sphere of influence, you know, and uh, and I think recognizing that sphere of influence and the people that we, um, that are counting on us to lead them and nurturing that well, I think is where, you know, you can you can choose to do that or to not do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that it's important to distinguish, too, there's 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 so many different ways to lead. I mean, there's there's infinite ways to lead and, and different situations require different types of leadership. And yep. um I was talking with uh, oh, I had a conversation. I'm going to post it tonight. Uh, Jim Palmer, he lives in Nashville. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Jim Palmer? He and he said that um, you know even the poet at certain time, if if they have the courage to put something out there, um, that in a sense can be leadership. If they're putting something out there for somebody to see to share that, that celebrates life, I mean that that can be leadership. And it's it doesn't necessarily have to be the larger than life charismatic figure standing out in front. And I think that's that's right. important. In fact, I think, you know, that idea of that charismatic leader out in front is almost a bit of a misnomer in yes. that um, it can hinder other people who have great leadership potential from stepping forward because they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not the up-front up guy. But, you know, I say a lot of times, wherever you lead, lead well. Yes. And, you know, if, if you're a mom at home with your kids right now, if that's your sphere of influence and they're counting on you to teach them, to train them, to develop them, that's leadership. If you're um, a, a CEO of a company and you have a staff that are counting on you to lead the way, you know, that's leadership. So I think all of us, and, it, and that's probably one of my biggest passions, is helping people recognize we each have a sphere of influence. Right. You know, we each have a place, a group of people who are counting on us. And so are we, are we taking that leadership and that responsibility for that sphere of influence and, and handling that well and managing that appropriately and, uh, and, and learning, you know, giving our best in that environment? You know, I like to say whether you know it or not or whether you like it or not, you, we are all yeah. obligated to be a leader. And That's good. 
and I've said this in a couple other interviews, but I always say it in my presentations, and, and I used to say it when I used to train the property manager at the hotel company, and I'd walk in, and there'd be 30 people, and I said, how many in here consider themselves leaders? Maybe two or three would mm-hmm. sheepishly raise their hand, and then I'd ask how many of them are parents, and about 80 to 90% of them were. I go, right. and how many are aunts or uncles, and eventually, you know, who's a brother or sister? You know, you get the point. And then, yeah. well, at each of those situations, you're obligated to lead at some point. And um, yeah. that's, you're right. And so, and that's where, you know, kind of leading in the, uh, on the ministry stride in church, and it all starts to kind of meld together, and it's all interrelated, interconnected. So tell me a little bit about the challenges of um, leading within a church. You know, I've, I've, I've struggled finding a church my whole life and going, and I, I grew up pretty much, un, you know, unchurched, got into mm-hmm. church, um, a couple times, and, and me and the wife tried it, and we're still struggling, seeking, and, and trying to find our way. But I sure. have experiences in, in, in church, and I know what you're talking about. It's like you rarely see um, in the leadership side a lot of women. Why is that, do you think? Yeah. yeah. You know, there. I think there's a lot of reasons for it, and I will just start the conversation by saying I am really blessed with where I am. Um, our church, the church that I serve at, Cross Point Church, is very supportive of women in leadership, and I came on staff when the church was about three years old, so we were really young, really small, and, you know, being able to step into my role as executive director, I had a lot of liberties to lead probably before we even knew that it was could be a lightning rod issue to some degree. And I think a lot of times why I think you see that in churches is there are some theological debates on the appropriateness of women in leadership. And that's I, I, I really don't go into that conversation a lot. I think everybody's got to study the scripture for themselves and, and you know, really seek um, God's direction on the interpretation of the, There's some scriptures that can be confusing. There's a lot of great resources and study that help bring some clarity to that. And so I always tell people, if you've been in a church culture that isn't, you know, has had some question marks about women leadership, then I think, you, you know, study for yourself. Go pick up some of these resources and, and check it out and try to really kind of discern and study it for yourself. Um, so I think that's kind of at the root of a lot of the, the issues in the church with um, women leaders is that there's just kind of some lo- long-held theological differences or beliefs on things that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of conversation taking place that I think just helps shed a lot of light on that conversation. And then, you know, um, I... Really, I think that's what it boils down to. And then, you know, we carry that baggage from generation to generation, and until we start looking at it ourselves and kind of go, okay, maybe those there, maybe there's some um, cultural, and a lot of times it's cultural interpretation. So, you know, years ago, women didn't have the privileges that women have now even in society. And so sometimes the church is a little slower behind um, just culture in those kind of you know, in those progressions, you know. So I think what you see a lot of times in church is that the church is just a few decades behind where culture is in, you know, because, you know, in the 60s and 70s, women's were, women were just starting to get the opportunities in the marketplace, you know, that now yeah. is not a limitation, you know. And so I think you just have a sl- sluggishness within the church culture to kind of catch up to that cultural norm. Um but, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of churches really um, embracing women in leadership. I got another email this morning from another church that's placing a woman in the position of executive director. And I get really encouraged when I see those those things happening, you know, where people are saying, okay, 
you know, we need to open up to this more. Perhaps there are more opportunities and, you know, and allow half, literally half the church, half the population to serve at that level as well. So, um, you know, I think you just have to kind of dig, dig into um, understanding your viewpoint on the theology of it. And then, um, and then finding a church that is con- that is consistent with your viewpoint on it. And um, again, fortunately, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of churches embrace it much better. And um, it, I think there's some exciting things ahead in that the church is really embracing women in leadership much more than it has historically. Yeah, you know, my experiences in the church, in a, in a, and I wouldn't say that the the women weren't in leadership roles because. Um, the men refused to. I think it was a fairly open church, the ones that I've, I've been a part of. But mm-hmm. I, I, it even goes back, I think even I look at my, my four daughters, and mm-hmm. they, especially my oldest one, she's got some leadership qualities, in lead, and well, both of them, all of them do, but particularly my oldest one. But it's interesting to me because um, she has this great empathetic heart, this great intelligence, this great insight to see and 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 uh, empathize with another human being. Mm-hmm. But but she doesn't see that as a strength yet. And and what kind of drives me crazy is that you know she could be a great leader, but what I see her doing is almost apologizing for who she is. Does that make sense? And I yeah, see that, sure. and I see that a lot from young girls, and, and I, I think I can speak with this on authority because I have four daughters. But I see that uh-huh. I see that a lot, and yeah. I, I don't understand where that comes from. If, if it's cultural, if it, I, I don't know where it comes from. But you write about that in your in your book, and you said if you know if you feel like you're called to leadership, don't apologize for it. Right. You know, yeah. be, be boldly humble, and I think that is so awesome that you wrote that. Can you can you expand on that? Yeah, I, you know, it, it, I kind of resonate with what you're saying in that I think the confidence issue for women leaders is still behind. For some reason, there's an insecurity about stepping up and stepping into leadership. From yeah. and and you're right. I think you see it early on. There's an there's almost an apologetic attitude for it. And I and again, I don't know if I can pinpoint exactly what it is. I like, like you. I think I can make some you know some speculation on it. But I think, you know, women are taught to be more timid and more meek naturally. Um, Men are encouraged to be um, competitive and, you know, like kind of right off the bat, it's, you know, there's some, there's some cultural like things that you see just in boys and girls when they're small and that, um, and I think there's an article I've read about this, Richard, and I can't remember where it was um, because I should be able to cite that and give you guys some good, like, concrete data, but there was an article I read about this where, you know, they talked about just even that young nurturing of how boys are encouraged to be more competitive and to, you know, and so then they, and they're more assertive and they're more confident in how they carry themselves where women are, or young girls are kind of often encouraged, and I don't think that's, that's probably too blanket of a statement, but can often be encouraged to be more sweet and meek and mild, and so there's there's a stereotype there that I think we naturally pick up on that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be um, uh, feminine, if you will, to be too assertive or and so I think there's just a little bit of of it. it and I, I boil it down to the confidence word that I think there's a confidence that women leaders need to to take, but to do that and but boldly yet humbly, like we say in the book, you know that it's. There's a bold humility that you need to to find in being confident in who you are and how you're wired, how you're gifted, and stepping into that, not in a brash or um, uh, just brassy way, but just in a 
a bold confidence. And when you see it, when you see someone lead like that, when you see a female lead like that, um, you really admire it. And so I think just providing more and more examples for for young women to see great examples of bold and confident uh, women leaders, you know, is probably one of my personal passions. I think we might have done ourselves a disservice as a gender um, during kind of the feminist movement because we we had such an agenda we were pushing back, you know, in the 60s and 70s that we just kind of came off as, you know, I mean, kind of just were off-putting to people, I think, in a lot of that movement. So I think in some ways it gave us, you know, three steps forward but two steps back. You know, and now I think there's a lot of women leaders that, you know, and you see emerging even in the corporate world who are learning how to lead with just kind of that bold confidence and humble confidence that isn't so um, just brash. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And that's why I love the boldly. That's why it stuck out to me, that boldly humble piece, because, Uh you know, I've even seen, you know, I came from, you know, 10 years in the Marine Corps, which, you know, is and especially in a flying community where we didn't have women pilots when I was in there. So it was all men and you get used to working with all men and it's pretty easy to work with a bunch of men. And then when you get out into the, you know, when I got into the, to the real world, and you see it, and it's like, well, it's not, you know, I've, it's not that difficult, and you know, and you know, you never consider yourself chauvinistic or everything else. But there are differences mm-hmm. between men and women, regardless of what people think. We we do yes. lead in different yeah. ways, and I, and I don't think we should apologize for either, either either side of that. But I think what's true when you see if if you see um, some of the 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 strong prominent women that that have are well known, or even some of the ones that I've come across. Sometimes you're right. It's almost they they come at it with a um, a hard edge that is a little bit off putting. And but I yeah. think if and that's but that goes for for anybody, you know. If and yeah. But I think that if women, the women that are confident and boldly humble, they're just being human beings first and foremost. And I think that yeah. is the key element to to leadership, regardless of your sex. And yeah, um, yeah no, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So I mean, yeah. Well, and to that point, you know, I think that a lot of times, I think, you know, when women are trying to figure out how to how to lead, most of our examples are men. And so we can have a tendency to try to be one of the guys. You know, like, yeah. there's a great story I share in the book about, in my early days in the music business, I kept noticing, like, all the guys would disappear to the golf course, you know, whether they were trying to um, negotiate a deal or celebrating a big success, like all of a sudden the guys took off and I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? And so one of my close girlfriends and I that we worked together, we were like, okay, we're going to go take golf lessons. We're not going to be eliminated just because we're girls, you right. know, and because we don't know how to play golf. So we took golf lessons and we like were convinced we were going to do everything to, that we could to be one of the guys. Um, and we did, and we actually got moderately good at golf. But, you know, to this day, I still never played golf as part of a business meeting or with my coworkers, <laughs> you know? Right. And so you you just kind of learn eventually that it, you're not, in fact, I think it's actually a detriment to leadership as a whole if women just try to be one of the guys. And, and yeah, unfortunately, I, I think that's what we've done, you know? Um, and, and I don't think it's coming from an awful place. I think it's just we're looking for examples, and that's who happen to be our examples. But I think women can bring uh, – there's, a, there's a, a side of who we are, just that feminine quality, the nurturing, um, more sensitive, sometimes emotional nature of who we are, isn't all bad to whether it's the workplace, the church, wherever, that we bring a sensitivity 
to leadership that if we have our emotions in good control, which is one of the things I talk about a lot with women leaders is, you know, learning to be able to handle your emotions well so that you can lean into that sensitivity, but not in such a way that you're just exploding emotionally on those around you. You know, so there's some maturity on our part in learning to handle those, that part of who we are well, um, but bring that sensitivity to the table because it's, it's, it's a healthy part of leadership when you can bring both both sides of the equation to the to the leadership table because you serve your team best when when all of those you know all of those personalities and those gifts are in place. That makes sense. Well, it makes absolute sense, you know. And I think you know a lot of the bad examples of leadership I've seen, you know, and that's where you learn learn the most. And and I look at the things that, and I look at the bad leaders I've come across in my life, both men and women. Mm-hmm. And what stuck out, it had nothing really to do with, you know, their gender. Yeah. What's, yep. What stuck out is like, you know, they, they weren't calm or they lost their cool. I mean, I've seen men lose their emotions and lose their bearing all the time. And you're like, wow, right. you know, and, and yeah, you know, it, it's a myth to think that, you know, all men are calm, confident leaders. They're not. There are some crazy knuckleheads out there in very <laughs> high, very high positions. And I've seen them lose right. it. And and so it goes both ways. If if men, you know, the confidence level. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think we we as all of us as leaders, we 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 never give ourselves enough credit for what our true capabilities are, both men and women. Yeah. And I think that I think yeah. you're right. You've seen so many examples of men being confident, but the reality is, everybody's insecure. You know, piece of mush on the yeah. inside. You know, everybody yep. is. And. Yep. And I think if women understood that, and I try to get that across to my daughters, I'm like, look, you know, this person is being a bully because they're very insecure. This person is, you know, yeah, maybe the head cheerleader and looking very confident, but you know what? She's very insecure on the inside, just at least like you are. And yeah. and even talking to some of these, um, a couple of these interviews and these people, they interviewed these self-made millionaires, these self-starters, and you think they're just like us, you know? And I think that is, if you recognize that and you believe that, then- you're well on your way to self mastery, in my opinion. In yeah, I don't know. I was kind of rambling there, but no, it's good. That's yeah, it's so good though. So good. There's a, that emotional maturity component, and again, you you mentioned this, but I think a lot of the issues that we make about gender, you know, particularly when it comes to leadership, really have very like I think there's very very few issues that are really gender issues. There are more our personal growth and health yeah. and emotional maturity and stability that are at play. Then, but they 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 um, they uh, come out differently, you know. But sometimes by gender, you know. So, um, like you said, you know, some guys losing their cool, being a little hot headed, whereas women might be just a little more emotionally charged and tear filled, you know. Sometimes, yeah. but not not exclusively. But you know, I think a lot of times it's really more about our maturity and health as a leader than it is even sometimes a gender gender based thing. But I think women are more inclined oftentimes to give in to those feelings of insecurity and, and pull themselves out of the leadership arena where guys are a little more aggressive to just keep pushing forward even if they're kind of putting out a false exterior. Women tend to retreat quicker and I think that's why you see that um is that insecurity plays out differently for them a little bit. But you know, and I may be not naive about this too, but I, I know of all the men I work with, the men I've been around, you know, professionally at the executive level, I, you know, and I think sometimes um, the handful of women that I come across that have been very guarded and almost had, you know, they, they came 
um, loaded for bear before they even got to know anybody. I think the vast majority of men, and I could be completely wrong on this, and I'm sure there are examples and stories of that, but I think the vast majority of men that you come across in the professional workplace aren't biased towards women being leaders. I think sometimes there is a preconceived notion that women feel like, oh, well, it's a boys' club. I think right. there are more men than you, than you give than people realize that are. It's like they don't even think about it. It's like, what, what are you talking about? I don't even look. I don't even say, great, you're a woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, that is, in my experience, pretty prevalent everywhere that I've worked. And um, yeah, and of course, I've worked at places I've worked. I've I've had women in in high leadership roles too. So maybe maybe part of that culture I was at it that was just it wasn't a big deal. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think I do think sometimes. Um, we're getting to, I think we're getting to a season, particularly culturally, where women still have a tendency to make it more of an issue than men do. You know, now, I've had both and, you know, I've had guys that uh, work with me and for me that are huge, huge champions of me, and then I've had some that are very skeptical, and it's been a difficult, you know, but by by and large, you know, the the guys that I get to work with, I think we talk about this in the book too, just that idea of mutual trust and respect. And I think a lot of the gender issues just get neutralized when you start to see each other as just humans and just developing relationships of trust and respect. And if you're giving trust and respect, you will eventually earn that back from whomever you're leading. So that's one of the things we encourage the, the women in our book too, is just Give trust and respect, and you will eventually earn trust and respect. And um, that's you know that's the bottom line for relationships. You know, agreed. And, and you know, one of the analogies, and I can go back to, you know, take a perfect example of a brand new officer in the military. You know, it's a, a fresh faced kid, and barely, you know, he just graduated college, and he's a lieutenant. You know, he and he or she is in charge of this platoon of thirty five, forty plus people, right? And those thirty five. And, and who's the the most senior enlisted platoon sergeant probably has 10 years, you know, probably about the same age or even older than the, than the lieutenant. And he's got 10 years in the, the military, the Marine Corps or whatever. And the lieutenant comes in and, and on paper, he or she's the one that's in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how does, you know, it's, it's foolish to think that just because you've got the rank and on paper that that lieutenant by rank is accountable for that whole platoon but who has the most respect in the platoon at that time? It's the platoon mm-hmm. sergeant, right? And so the lessons that we learned, you know, the, the guys that were successful were when they, they checked in and they said, okay, I'm in command of this platoon. I'm the leader. You know, and they start acting like this leader, what they think they have to act like. The ones that were successful are the ones that pulled that platoon sergeant in in the office and said, look, you know, I know you're the engine that's making this thing run. What can I do for you? You know, and right. you, and you just be humble. You don't walk in like John Wayne. You walk in and with your hat in your hand, with confidence, boldly humble, like the, like you said, be boldly humble. Say, yeah. hey, look, I'm here to take care of you guys. What do you need? And yeah. when you did that, that platoon sergeant would take care of you. You take care of him. You know, he mm-hmm. would show you the respect in front of the platoon, and it just and it worked. You know, that that's and I think that's a good lesson for especially for young women wanting to jump in the foray of leadership. And they're like, well, how can you gain that respect of everybody around you, but particularly the men? I think right. you'd be boldly humble. That's, I mean, I love that. I just think that's my favorite part of the book that I read so far. You, awesome. you don't yeah. have you don't yeah. have to walk out there and try, like you said, be one of the guys. You don't have to act tough. You don't have to talk like a guy. You don't have to talk like a man. You just be, right. be a human being and be boldly yeah. humble and confident at the same time. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. So tell me about the music industry. How was, what was it like working in that? Yeah, you know, it was, that was kind of my dream job. I, I think when I was, you know, in, a, in middle school, this, discovered that there was this whole business side of music. I'd always loved music as a kid, but I learned, but I knew I was, you know, I was mildly talented, but not talented enough for that to be a career. Right. But then I discovered this whole side of music that is the business side, which is, you know, the, the rec- and I worked at a record label here in Nashville that, you know, my job was to work with the artists and then oversee the marketing and development of their, of their career and their product, you know, so we would, you know, sign a new artist to the label, and then my job was to kind of hold their hand through the whole process and help oversee the marketing marketing plan um, throughout the rest of the company. So kind of the champion inside the record label for that artist, you know, kind of keeping their vision um, in mind as we developed everything. And so from coaching their performances to helping get their radio singles um, played on air, uh, it was just a really, really neat um, neat opportunity. And I think it was, in hindsight, it was a great incubator for leadership because you were really navigating all the relationships between the artist and their manager right. and then all the staff on the label. And uh, But it was a, it's a fun job. The, Nashville's a fun city. Music City is a great place to be. There's a lot of dreamers, so everybody's got a dream and a, <laughs> and a, that they're trying to achieve. And so, you know, you just get exposed to a lot of really fascinating things and, um, and you know, uh, but, and along the way, you know, I worked for at that season, the company I worked for was the biggest music company in the world. And so it was, it was just, it was a wild ride. It was a lot of fun. And I left just before um, uh, digital music started to really kind of change the whole arena. So I, I did get to be there in some of the, the, the heyday, really some of the, the most fun and thriving days of the music business. And the music business is coming back around now after they figured out how to live in a digital world, but right. there were definitely some rough years there. Yeah, well, that's 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 exciting. Well, you know, I was going to say about your book, you know, I know the niche is um, helping women in the church leadership roles, but I got to tell you, I think it, I think it's a great primer and a great book for for anybody interested in leadership, particularly women. I, I I know I know it's it's great that you're tapping in that niche, but I think it's something that um, that everybody could benefit uh, reading, whether you're involved in a church or not. Yeah, thank you for that. We, you know, we did kind of zero in on the niche, but I would uh, agree, particularly for women leaders, we did still write it, hoping that if you're a woman leader, um, if you're a woman who is a leader and you have a lead from a faith-based lens, you know, that's that's really a. We hope that we've given you great tools to figure out how do you maintain your moral ethics and your faith-based values while leading through the dynamics of whatever environment you lead in. Um, you know, my background in corporate music business. Sherry was in education, and then now she's the CEO of Mops International. So we bring a lot of different experience and different stories to the book that we hope we're able to kind of connect with a lot of different readers. And then I've even had guys say, like yourself, that reading it, you have daughters, so it's kind of giving you some insight into maybe how female leaders think or work. And I know our um, staff here, our, my, uh, my boss gave the book to every one of our staff, guys and gals, and said, even if you're a guy, I want you to read this because it will help you understand the women you work with. So, um, so it's been fun to hear different people who have connected with it um, in different ways. So we hope it's a great resource. Sherry and I always say that 
it's it's what we would say if we could sit down over a cup of tea or coffee with you. Um, and since we can't do that with everybody, hopefully the book creates the conversation a little bit. So well, the book certainly reads that way. It's a gr- it's a great um, easy read and a chock full of a lot of practical common sense leadership advice. And that's really what the show is about. You know, getting to the heart of common sense leadership practices. Again, they're, they're principles that n- none of us have invented. They just are. They exist, and they're there for us to to latch onto. And in your book is uh, one of many in the chain that helps uh, helps all of us that are feel that leadership is a higher calling. And I, and I appreciate all that you're doing uh, on that Great, front. Thanks. So, how can they find you? Uh, my website is jennycatron.com. It's Jenny J E N N I Catron C A T R O N dot com, and uh, I love. I blog there probably about three times a week, and so I'm usually got some little leadership nuggets going on there. And then you can connect with me. Um, there's you can send emails and messages that, via that way as well. So that's probably the best place. And on Twitter, I'm at Jenny Catron. Perfect. And I'll put links on when I put the post up. I'll put links to your book and to your website as well. So, awesome. Thank Jen, you so much, Richard. Yeah, this is great. It was awesome talking to you. I'll have you come on again. I mean, I, I love talking. Sometimes 35 minutes doesn't seem like enough time to talk about leadership, which it isn't. But um, it goes like, fast, for like sure. It goes fast, but we'll, we'll, we'll do it again for sure. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. 